The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The karaoke queen of Tyler, Texas, I grew her little pawn. Packed up her car, took the church street exit on half a tech of broken songs. Hit the ground running on Broadway, and while she's waiting on her dream to come true, cause you can make a million dollars just by singing the blues in the city of music. Hi, everyone, and welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Marty Snyder, the Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett, Kyle Petty, the guy over there <laughs> laughing, singing along with Brad Paisley there. We can't wait to get yeah. to the City of Music this weekend for the uh, Nashville Super Speedway. Joining us on the show today, Josh Berry. He'll be here in a bit to talk about his final ride in the eight car this weekend. Justin Marks from Trackhouse Racing will join us. We'll talk a little Daniel Suarez yes. as well. Scott Miller from NASCAR will be here to chat about uh, getting Nashville Super Speedway up and ready for this, re- this weekend's race. And also our buddy Jack Collinsworth will be on the show as well. We'll talk about everything Nashville. Of course, we want to hear from you guys, 844-NASCAR-NBC. Also at the hashtag on social media, let me say this. And uh, so what's the, the main storyline you're looking forward to this weekend, DJ? I think uh, the biggest thing is who adapts to this racetrack because, uh, yes, some drivers have some experience there, but I I think they're going to see something totally different in these cup cars uh, and everything that surrounds it. So it's going to be an interesting race, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, how much room do they have to race on uh, by the end of the weekend? Yeah, you know, I think we've seen a lot of these teams that have gone there in the past in ancient history and tested. Uh, we've heard we've heard all those stories, and we know the guys that have run there in, in Xfinity or trucks or whatever. But this, the car they drive right now is a totally different animal yeah. than anything they've ever taken to this mm-hmm. place. Period. So it is going to be which team adapts and which team adjusts as the night goes on, as the day goes on, as the race goes on. Um, it's going to be. This is a true test. Oh, yeah. now, I, I like it when they go to new places. I, I love little when they practice, go to places. short little yeah. practice. And it's going to start out with who tears up the car first. Because yeah. somebody's going to get into yeah. turn one because it looks like you can drive yeah. it way down in there, and you can, but you might not come out. You just the other don't side. come out. You just don't <laughs> come out. It's a sucker corner. How about that for a tease for practice on corner. Friday? Can't wait to get that going. Of course, ten races left until the playoffs kick off. So how did we get here? Well, let's look back at 2021 to this point. Drivers, start your engines, let's go! And now, it's time to get down to business. The winner of the 63rd running of the Daytona 500 is indeed Michael McDowell. And Christopher Bell is a winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. William Byron scores the win here tonight at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Kyle Larson, what an afternoon for the five. He wins in dominating style. Five races in 2021, five different winners to start off the season. Truex wins. Ryan Blaney wins the Folds of Honor. 
QT500. Joey Logano will be the first driver in a half century to win on dirt in NASCAR's Cup Series. Alex Bowman coming out of nowhere and picks up the win. Career win number 35 for Brad Keselowski. Kyle Busch celebrating his birthday today. The Bushy McBusher is <laughs> the Bush won it. Dominating performance for Martin Truex Jr. He has scored the win at the Darlington Raceway. And Alex Bowman is getting ready to put his name on the winner's board here at the Monster Mile. So it is now official. The first cup driver to conquer Coda is Chase Elliott. It's a historic night for Kyle Larson as he wins the Coca-Cola 600. History-making tonight for Hendrick Motorsports as they become the all-time winningest organization. Kyle Larson, for the second week in a row, delivers a beatdown as he wins back-to-back. Kyle Larson looking to add a few more dollar signs to the moniker Young Money. Checkered flag is out. Kyle Larson has picked up a million dollars. Man, it's been the Kyle Larson show lately. So, uh, DJ, we mentioned just 10 races left in the regular season, and then this playoff board locks in. And if you look at that, man, the, the slots to get in via points are, are shrinking. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. And I think that everybody that we see there that's not in the yellow uh, has to be concerned because we, we go to a couple of new racetracks still, uh, yep. and then we've got Daytona to end things for yep. the regular season. Yeah, and listen. The, the new road courses, going to Nashville this weekend, you know what I mean? A, a totally different place. And then you throw in Daytona like you talk about. There are so many unknowns in these next few races um, that I, I'm with Dale. If, if you're, and maybe if you're in the yellow and don't have two or three wins. Yeah, you know right. maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe you need to be concerned if you don't have these, multiples because you might get kicked out with one, it seems like. So these, much has happened. I mean, we yeah. raced on dirt, raced in the rain, <laughs> monsoon, if yes. you will. That's uh, true. In Texas, so and these 10 races uh, leading into the playoffs are just going to be crazy. Let's bring in the guy who's going to be hanging out with you two at the front of the grid Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday, our buddy Jack Collinsworth. Hey, Jack, you ready for your uh, first cup race on the air this weekend? I'm ready to rock and roll, and I'm fired up about any trip to Nashville, as I'm sure you guys are as well. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Kyle, with all that's changed, I heard you just talking about it a second ago, for the veteran drivers who have some form of racing experience on the Nashville Super Speedway, where will they find the greatest benefit? Where is there some advantage to be had? Uh, probably down on Broad Street in one of the bars uh, would, be, would, would be their best place. Uh, I, I don't think there is. I, I, I honestly don't. I, I don't think no matter how many laps you have at this place in a truck, in an Xfinity car, we talk about the package that the cup cars race now. We see guys struggle with different packages. Um, we go into this race. I, I just don't think anybody has an advantage. I think some people have an idea of what this racetrack's going to do. Uh, but but you know, we're watching Joey here. We've seen Kyle Busch win races there. We've seen other guys win. I just don't believe that anybody has that leg up on the competition. At the, unless you're Kyle Larson. Um, and, and he doesn't <laughs> yeah, have to even point. see the place to have a leg up at yeah. this point in time. Mm. So, DJ, as you mentioned earlier, we were talking off air about this. Everything is so different, yeah. tire-wise, everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Just think about no how comparison. far that Goodyear has come with the, the tires yeah. that these yes. guys race on now from the last time that they were there. And I know they did a, a tire test for a couple of days over there, uh, but until you get into that competition and see exactly what's going to happen, get some rubber put yeah. down on this racetrack, uh, things are going to change. So, man, for anybody to think they have any kind of advantage uh, other than uh, some, some guys that are just extremely talented, uh, that's always going to win out. 
Well, you wonder, too, if Team Penske has some form of advantage after All-Star race that was pretty smooth for them. All three of their drivers finished in the top five. Marty, I was going to ask you, are they the biggest challenger to Hendrick right now in your mind's eye? How do you see it? I don't know, Jack. I I would uh, defer to these guys, but I do know we talked to Joey Logano earlier today on one of our Zoom calls, and he said, with the 550 package, we're just completely off. Like, we're not in the game with Hendrick Motorsports and those guys. And and we were talking about Gibbs as well. I, I Like, since the Truex win at Darlington, it's really been eh, not that great for Gibbs. I, and Kyle Busch has run better, yeah, but they haven't yeah. had a dominating performance. Yeah. To me, Hendrick is their own competition right now. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's everybody right. else right. is sitting here trying yeah. to catch up. How do we catch up? And when you're in the middle of a season, uh, that that's what the hardest thing to do is to yes. figure out where and with not a lot of practice time. So yeah. I, that's why I wondered if some, you know, was it Penske? Did they utilize that time uh, at Texas last mm-hmm. weekend to maybe test a little Harvick and, and Stuart Haas racing? Mm. Um, they looked like they were testing because they weren't in the game really to, to run up <laughs> yeah. front. So they, yeah, they, there's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah, Rodney, Rodney Childers' tweet on, on Monday was like Texas was a gut punch. Mm. Um, we thought we were we had something, but we took took a knife to a gunfight. Is basically what the yeah, tweet right. said. You yeah. know, that's what he tweeted, um, and and that to to be so public with his disappointment and be so public with we tried something and we failed, and that's a public failure. Um, you could, you've got to look at those guys and say, man, how good is Hendrick? Mm. You know, what I mean, how good is Hendrick? Because all these guys, if we look at Penske and we look at Stuart Haas Racing and we look at Gibbs, all these guys seem to be in the same boat. They are all fighting with each other for fifth behind the four Hendrick cars, you know, even for fifth. So um, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure there's anybody, and we've said it before about Gibbs. We've said it before about Penn. There's nobody in the Hendrick League at this point in time. There was nobody in the Gibbs League a couple of years ago, you know, and there was nobody in the SHR League. Uh, but, but Hendrick and those guys have them right now. But, but my question to you would be, who, and I know these owners, and especially these top teams, are willing to spend money to try to get better before the end of the season. And there's a lot of racing yeah. to go, as we well know. But with all the big changes coming next year, who is willing to fork out a lot of money yeah. on this car to, to yeah. make changes that might help great them point. get there? That's a, that's a terrific that's a point, point because people are developing, obviously, what they're yeah. going to have for 2022 and beyond. Jack, I think uh, Brad Kozlowski put it best when he said to finish second. To Hendrick Motorsports is a compliment these days. So it's not yeah, a bad yeah. thing when you're beating some of the Hendrick cars. Yeah. That's, I'm figuring out how NASCAR feels. This is actually a fun way to watch the show. I just fire, <laughs> fire some questions, sit back, and just enjoy it. Exactly right. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about a guy like Kyle Busch, because including the All-Star race, it's now four straight top ten finishes in a row for him. Just won the Xfinity race as well in Texas. What do you feel like is turning on for him right now, Dale? I think the biggest thing is he's getting more track time. I think these Xfinity races uh, are, are a plus for him. When he can run the trucks and the Xfinity races, uh, we see, you know, obviously he's got a good chance at winning about 80% of those. And so uh, when he does that, he gets in a better frame of mind. Uh, we're also starting to, you know, going to get into a point starting this weekend with a little bit of practice time at, at some racetracks. And that's when Kyle Busch is at his best. So I think he's settling in with the new crew chief, everything going on, and uh, we're going to see a better Kyle Busch as we move forward for sure. Yeah, isn't, isn't it fascinating that the better Hendrick gets, the better Kyle Busch gets, and the, and the worse the rest of the Toyota team gets? And, and every, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's he's just, motivated yeah, by your saying? Yeah, no, 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 no. But I, I'm just saying that we talked about Kyle Busch was the third or fourth Gibbs car, yes. at least the third early in the season, yeah. early in the season. And now, as, as Jack points out, 
Now we're talking about Kyle Busch being the best Gibbs car. You know, where did the other guys go? Did they fall that far or did Kyle come that far forward? And But I, I agree. I, th- I think practice and being lap time, seat time helps Kyle Busch a ton, which I never would have thought I would have ever said that because I thought <laughs> yeah. he could drive anything, <laughs> anything, anything, anything with a yeah. blindfold on. It didn't make any difference, yeah. but, I mean, it's been amazing. Yeah. And William Byron's another one, too, that when you watch the All-Star, really a bounce-back performance from what we saw after crashing out at Sonoma. Uh, we know Larson now has become the clear number one driver. Marty, Dale, for you guys, who do you have as number two? Who's that second-best driver right now, in your opinion? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, you, could, you could say, you could argue that's the second-best driver in the, in the Cup Series, maybe. But what he's getting at, Chase Elliott versus William Byron. I mean, that's really the yeah. question, right? I mean, who's, yeah. who's the better of the two right now? Well, doesn't Alex Bowman have two wins? He does. Yes, if you ask me, I'm going to say William Byron right now. Yeah. I think that wow. especially the yeah. majority of the, the oval tracks that he's performing at a higher level, uh, yeah. I, I believe. And, yeah. uh, you know, he had a fast car there uh, on Saturday, wow. uh, Sunday yeah. night yeah. and uh, just got kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time there at the end of the and race. And drove yeah. aggressive, too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Some of those moves with Chase yeah. Elliott were crazy. But, uh, but yeah, listen. Everybody was making a Kyle Larson made an aggressive move. On, on, oh, right. Everybody yeah. made aggressive moves <laughs> on Chase Elliott, and and I think that's your point. And that goes back to saying I think William Byron. I, I think William Byron falls in line just for, from a consistency standpoint, but the confidence level. Uh, what's his new crew chief's name? I'm, I'm blank. Who oh. for William Byron? Byron. Yeah. Rudy. 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 Hey, those guys have just clicked. Yeah. Man, they just they hit it, and when they hit it. They've been. They've not done anything but gotten better and better and better. So I, 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 I think I put this team, this group, a little bit better. We slotted my man Alex Bowman, didn't we, with the two wins? I yeah, mean, we immediately put him above Chase Elliott, which yeah. Yeah. may not be the case. Well, it may not be, but you know, you think about the as the playoffs roll around. Yeah, consistency is a great thing, but yeah. winning is the one That's thing true. that moves you on to the next round. And Alex Bowman's proven he can win. Yeah, true Good point. Speaking of that hunt for the playoffs, SHR, it continued to be a bit of a question mark, really. Kevin Harvick, Eric Almarola continue to struggle. Kyle, do you see any signs of a turnaround starting to happen for Harvick? No. Um, <laughs> and, and you say SHR is a question mark. It's not a question. The, the answer is they're bad. That, that's what, that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. That, I mean, Exclamation point. Yeah, I think the question had been, can they get better? And I think, and again, I go back to Rodney's tweet. And nobody works. No one works harder than Rodney Childers in trying to figure it out. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy never takes a vacation, never takes off. He's constantly thinking about that car. And for him to tweet out on a Monday after the All-Star race, that was a gut punch to watch, watch Kevin out there in our, in our equipment. Um, you got you to gotta think, man, they haven't thrown in the towel but they are scratching their head. They are, are we, scratching their head. So I, I, I just don't believe – I don't see them turning it around. Are we finally seeing what, it, what, what has been the case for years? I mean, it's kind of been Harvick leading everything at yeah. Stuart Haas and not much support behind him. Eric Almirola had some flashes yeah. there to where one team can't carry four no, cars. Can't. No, can't. And are we finally seeing that? Does that make sense, DJ, that, that there's no support other than if the four is not going to carry the boat, then everybody's in trouble? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've got uh, drivers uh, other than Eric does uh, you know, have a lot of experience in the cup side. And, and he had been running well the last few years, mm-hmm. uh, had those moments, and you know, a lot of top ten, a lot of top five finishes. 
But what we're seeing is the inexperience that's over there to help from the bottom side to, to when your lead car and driver and team uh, is struggling a little bit. There, there's just not that support. But just remember, it wasn't that long ago that we were saying the same things about Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, we were. Their oh, group was way yeah. too right. young. Way too How long young. is it going to take yeah. them to get there? Well, by God, they're there. And, and Stuart Haas will get there. Okay, there, yeah, there's no sure. question that an organization like that won't rebuild and won't come back. But, but I think we answered that question a little bit a minute ago. We're sitting here and you say, okay, let's, let's roll out the Hendrick drivers. Which one's the best? Yeah. Okay, yeah. now let's roll out the SHR drivers and say, where, where'd they go? There's not any here. Right. You know what I mean? There's nobody to help that one guy. You've got four guys at, at Hendrick that are all at the, at the sharp point of the stick. They're all up there challenging for leading laps, challenging for winning races challenging every race um you know when kevin harvick's running eighth his closest teammate a lot of times running 22nd that's not helping move that team forward yeah. that's not that's not and that's not a knock on cole custer that's not a knock on eric amarola that's not a knock on chase briscoe that's just the facts of where that team yeah. team is and as you say we saw you know most recently with the hendrick organization when they had all and they had the kindergarten class of 1918 coming, <laughs> or 2018 coming out. You know what I mean? All those kids were just, I mean, it's like, when are they going to mature? They've uh, matured. Experience matters. Yeah, they've you matured. Know, they've matured. That, being able to, to have that voice that makes a difference. I keep wondering when I'm going to mature too, Kyle. It just hasn't happened yet. And I was wondering too. All of these drivers are going to head to a new venue. We get to see them Nashville Super Speedway, but I understand you have a new venue of your own in the Grand Old Opry. So one, how did your show come together? And two, how the hell can I get a ticket to this thing? Yeah. Oh, oh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it right now. It's pay-per-view. That's how I'm going to retire from this deal. Uh, I'm going to make some money. Um, you know, we just did a new show uh, for Circle, which is home of the Grand Ole Opry, yeah. uh, called Dinner Drive with, with Kyle. And I guess if you have your own show, Marty, they yeah, let you sing so. on the Grand Ole Opry. I guess so. I, they, I guess they that's invite it. you so, to sing in the Grand Ole Opry, yeah. I guess. Yeah, there's a, I, there's I guess way so. more to it than that. that, yeah, that, that gotta, I'm excited maybe about Maybe a man. lot of talent would go yeah. into that, yeah, too. I, yeah, a little bit of talent. But I'm, I'm, listen, I'm excited about it. I, I really am. This is the Grand Ole Opry, man. This yeah. is like dragging a piece of junk to the Daytona 500 and competing with these guys you, you get to, yeah, that you, we're talking Jack, about. Jack, here's what I, I want to know. How are you going to calm him down on the grid Saturday afternoon before that game at the Grand Opry? I guarantee you we are going to be having a party hanging out on that racetrack. <laughs> they told me I was with, I said, we're in trouble now. I'll catch you guys in Nashville. Thanks for letting me hang out for a little bit. Have a great show. Thank you, man. Right. Jack Thank Collins you. worth hanging out with us. Of course, he'll be with these guys uh, this weekend at Nashville. Can't wait to get there to the Nashville Super Speedway. When we come back, Justin Marks, owner of Trackhouse Racing, we will talk to Justin about his driver, Daniel Suarez, and how things are going with the 99. There's Mr. Marks right there hanging out with us on Motor Mouse next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's been a nice start for Trackhouse Racing 2021. There you go, two top tens, 74 laps led. DJ, I think this has been a terrific initial season for Daniel Suarez and Trackhouse Racing. Yeah, there's no doubt they have. I think they've overperformed mm-hmm. for what most of us thought with a new team coming in and how difficult it is to, to break into that. So very impressive to this point. And Justin Marks is a man who leads that organization. And Justin joining us now here on Motor Mouse. Hey, Justin, you're a Nashville resident. So how fired up is this town for this weekend? Man, it's it's uh, it's pretty special. I mean, you can they've been promoting this thing for a couple months, but Eric and his staff out at the Speedway have been sold out for a number of weeks now. So it's kind of like to just sort of build and buzz around the town and what you know, kind of what we're gonna do and what kind of party we're gonna throw and everything. But NAS- NASCAR belongs in Nashville. It belongs in Middle Tennessee. It's got you know a lot of history here and. Obviously, with the banquet, you know, a few years ago and coming back and, and everything, it's, um, I mean, this this is a party town. It's an event town, and it's a great fit for NASCAR to be here. So uh, I'm excited. Town's excited. And Trackhouse is ready to go. Hey, listen, I, I want to ask you about about your season so far because I have been uh, first, and I've said it at this, at this desk a thousand times, I'm a huge Daniel Suarez fan. Um, so I, I really, I, I just like that kid. But how... You guys approached this year with a different business model. Uh, you came into the sport a little bit different than we've seen other teams come into it. But, I mean, I look at that one top five, two top tens, but that could easily be five or six top fives and, and seven or eight top tens. There's just been circumstances that, that have changed things around. Did you expect this much success this quick? I was pretty careful in managing my expectations or, or I guess identifying my expectations around finishing positions because, you know, it's as you guys all know, this is this is like the most you know competitive and difficult form of professional racing that there is in North America. And it's very, very difficult to be successful here. And I think, you know, for me and for Trackhouse, we're just we're trying to take the long view on things and, and trying to be successful for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And what that means this year is defining success by you know weekly improvement about learning what daniel needs in a race car you know about kind of building our company culture and building our vision both you know on the competition side you know and in the marketing side and the results sort of just take care of themselves so you know i've been very happy with how we've navigated some of those things i mean we have definitely had some of those outlier weekends like you know, Bristol was was unbelievable, and Daniel had never been on a dirt track until Tuesday of that week in a, in a you know street stock or something. And you know, we have a very special driver in Daniel, so our focus really has been on making sure that we understand him, um, what he needs out of a race car, how to keep him motivated, and to kind of just build our culture and you know build our cohesiveness around delivering that to him so he can go do his job. But it, it's been a great start to the year. You're right; I think we've been in a position to probably have some more top tens, but. You know, this is a difficult game, and, and um, you know, as you guys know, so many of these races come down to a lot of late race drama and a lot of variables that are out of your control. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're careful to make sure that we don't define success or failure in year one by this many top tens or this many top fives. It's just about being better every week and just building the foundation for this company. Justin, you've proved time and again over the years that you've been involved uh, in NASCAR racing in particular what a good businessman you are. But myself and others might would question, why would you start this this year with all the changes coming next year? Well, I mean, you know, so the plan was to launch this year no matter what. And then when the next-gen car got delayed, 
you know, sort of took a step back and went, okay, does that, does that delay track house? Does that, you know, you know, sort of what do we do here? And the, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, if we, if we get an operational partner like RCR where we ended up and we utilize their resources, help share some overhead, limit our capital outlay and limit the investments we make to get started, then I think the perfect scenario you know, and, and I think Denny will tell you the same thing. The perfect scenario is to come in this year and be careful about obviously making investments in capital assets that are going to be obsolete. So, i.e., you know, don't buy a bunch of cars, um, but focus on the company culture and what I've been talking about, the company process, and make sure that we're, we're working well together, that we're learning Daniel, that we're building a great marketing platform. So when the next-gen car comes, we as a cohesive group are focused entirely on that race car. So we're not trying to learn a new race car. We have new hires. We're trying to figure out how to go to the racetrack. You know, we can get a lot of this stuff figured out and buttoned up this year, and then as a group, jump into that new car and have it be a process spread over a year instead of, like, just all these unknowns on day one. That was the strategy. I mean, I think, you know, it makes this year difficult in some respects, but I think in 10 years from down the road, 15 years down the road, five years down the road, we're going to look back on this and realize that this was 100% the right move for us to make as a company. So, Justin, I want to ask you about that. You call it an operational partner in RCR, and, and we talk about teams that are affiliated with bigger teams. You basically went to RCR and said, hey, I want you to run it. I'm not going to hire a lot of people. Unlike some other teams that start hiring, you know, 40, 50 people, you've got very few people, and you're basically letting RCR run everything. How mm -hmm. is that? How was that concept? And who came up with that concept? Well, I would stop short of saying that RCR is running everything. I mean, we, yeah, we right. still have a yeah. lot of we still have a lot of autonomy over over the type of cars we bring to the racetrack. We do work as 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 the ninety nine group ourselves. You know, the my idea honestly was we've seen this play out time and time again, where owners have come into the sport and thought from day one that they're going to capitalize themselves, build their race shops, hire their staffs, and and they're smart enough and will bet on themselves from day one to make it happen. I don't have any ego and I'm not, and I'm not, you know, I, I want to be doing this for a long period of time. And so, you know, it, Ty Norris and myself, when we first started sort of ideating around what track house is going to be and, and kind of how to, how to, you know, deploy ourselves in the sport, I said, we have to have an operational partner and we have to, I said, there's so much infrastructure that's underutilized in this sport right now. There's a lot of square footage. that's not being used fabrication, engineering, um, because you know, there's, there's just a sport used to be 45 ca cars going home every weekend, well-capitalized cars. And these, these engineering departments and these companies have been built out to support a 43 car field. Now we have 36 chartered teams. So there's an opportunity to utilize assets that already exist in the supply chain and go to some of these companies and say, you know, we're willing to help offset some of those costs and it helps us get involved in the sport without taking a bunch of capital and financial risk from the get-go. And then over time, as we learn ourselves and learn the business, we can start carving more and more things out to be be more and more autonomous on our own. So it's a it's a three-year plan, really. And, you know, it, it's worked out great because RCR obviously has all this intellectual property and, and you know engineering and simulation and, and obviously you know manufacturing um, assets that they that you know, we can help share with them that give us an opportunity, but at the same time we can also build our team. So I mean our you know our biggest hires key hires were Travis Mack, our crew chief, and Daniel, and empowering those two to build a team around them. And RCR essentially allowed Travis to hire whoever he wanted. And, you know, while we operate as sort of a third team, we are doing it in the sense that, you know, we are laying a foundation for a long-term 
uh, future where Trackhouse is fully autonomous, and that that colors a lot of the decisions we make right now. So to me, it just honestly it was the most the most fiscally responsible way to come into the sport and set yourself up for long term success without me going. Okay, I've got this much money to spend. I'm going to go spend it all on day one and bet on myself and cross my fingers that this works out. This is a long term plan. I want to be where Hendrick is. I'm not, I mean, yeah. it sounds crazy, but it, it might take me 15 years to get there, 20 years to get there. To get there. But I'm 40 years old and my chips are all in. So, um, so I have to be intelligent about the decisions I make and intelligent about our business development strategy. And with where we're at with RCR right now, it's working perfectly and we have a great long-term plan. Okay, so you, you talk about being intelligent about your business strategy, uh, your long-term plans. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think Daniel is... As we looked at his relationship with Coca-Cola in the past and Daniel's Amigos, um, there's been few, just a few people who have come into the sport who have changed the demographics of this sport. Danica Patrick changed the demographics, who the faces we saw in the stands. As we begin to open up and the sport opens up, uh, we're seeing more and more diversity in the stands from the Latino market, from the Hispanic market. And Pitbull is a huge part of that, a huge part of that. That totally changed the demographics. As you started down this road, was that part of your plan or did that come after, uh, after you got a few more pieces in place? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the very first conversations we ever had about Trackhouse was essentially taking a look at, you know, what is, what is a race team? Just asking ourselves, what is a race team? And you know, we don't want to deviate from, you know, the fact that our day-to-day jobs are to try to win races. But at the end of the day, Trackhouse is a marketing company. And Trackhouse is building a compelling platform. We want to be storytellers and we want to we want to build, we want to have reach that transcends the sport. It's why the, the name of this team isn't Justin Marks Racing. It's why it's, it's a brand that's bigger than any, any one individual. And I think that, you know, we didn't set out to, to to sort of lean into necessarily the, the, the Latin population or to partner with someone like Pitbull, we set out to just do things different and to do things compelling and to build something that resonates with people and, and, and build our fan base as a team. And so, you know, Daniel, when we had Daniel's name on the board, the, the assets, the attributes that we were looking for, we were looking for a great race car driver. We were looking for a winner. We were looking for someone with cup experience. And we were looking some, for somebody that was hungry. And Daniel checked all those boxes. It's a great story. So it plays into marketing, you know, what we're, the story that we're trying to tell. But it's always been about trying to build a marketing platform that transcends the sport, to try to take NASCAR to new audiences, to bring new audiences to us. And that means making key partnerships in music and in entertainment and culture. And the the thing with Armando is it it happened very organically. I mean, you know, as as we circulated our story among stakeholders within the sport and he was doing some work for – uh, for NASCAR and for NBC and with Blake Shelton, you know, he knew kind of our story and what we were trying to do. The fact that we've got a big initiative in STEM and, and we want to be very involved in community outreach. And, you know, when he got wind of that, he, he said, well, I need to meet those guys. And we flew down to South Florida at the end of December and had a five hour meeting at a restaurant. And within 15 minutes, it was like, we're doing this. I mean, it was such a good fit. And it just checked so many boxes. There's so much opportunity there. He's smart. You know, he's connected. Um, that is just kind of proof of concept for us, but we want to scale. We want to scale that 
not just in that demographic, but we want to scale that idea, that promise as much as we can. And that, you know, in Nashville, we've got a lot of great country music artists that are going to come out as guests at Trackhouse this weekend. And, you know, we're, we're starting to, you know, work on concepts around the brand getting more involved in music, but using NASCAR as a platform to bring awareness to both sides. I, I can ramble on and on, but, but, you know, we're just trying to do things differently. And, and uh, we're trying to be an excite. We're trying to cultivate a fan base of a team. And I'll just say one more thing. I mean, one of the things we talked about early was, you know, a a New York Yankees fan is a New York Yankees Yankees fan, regardless. You know, when Aaron Judge comes and goes, A Rod, Jeter, um, Rivera, like when everybody comes and goes, you're a Yankees fan. That doesn't necessarily exist in NASCAR. And we wanted to create a great team where we have our own fan base. And I think that's just going to give us opportunities to grow in really unique and exciting ways for for a long time. Do you, you miss driving at all? Well, I don't miss it because I still get to do it every once in a while. So I, I, I do, you know, I have to, I, mean, I have to sample like the goods, you know, like, I, yeah, I have to, you know, it, it's, um, I, I love, I'm doing this because at the end of the day, I love race cars and I love racing and my, my, you know, my, my grandfather, when I was growing up, took me to dirt tracks in Southeast Iowa and, and Western Illinois. My grandfather, or my father took me to the 1996 Daytona 500 and, and uh, saw both of you guys on the grid and got both of your autographs. And, and uh, you know, that, that passion that I had back then, it exists today. I think you can hear it just in how I talk. I mean, I love what I do and I love this sport and, and I love race cars and driving race cars. So I will never, so you guys know. What is a race? What is what is a retired race car driver? It's like well, it doesn't necessarily mean they stop driving race cars from time to time. So, so <laughs> I, I, I miss it. I mean, I'll tell you when 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 I see when I see stock cars driving around in the rain, I miss it a little bit more than some of the other days. <laughs> uh, but I still I still get to I still get to enjoy my Trans Am car and and get to die. I, I go race dirt races with Schrader a couple times a year, and that's fun. And um, and uh, yeah, so so I don't I don't totally miss it because I still get to do it a little bit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure you got my autograph or Dale's because we were only 12 in 1996, so <laughs> we, we weren't we were we weren't driving yet. We were still pretty young was, at that okay, point. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, was, that yeah. Richard, was that Richard and Ned? That must yeah. have been Richard. That was yeah. exactly right. It was our it was our fathers. It was our fathers. That's it, man. Always fun hanging out, bud, and we yeah. always learn something when we talk to you. So yeah, we appreciate you. your time. Thank you and very we look much. forward to seeing you in Nashville this weekend, Justin. Tootsies, come on out to the party. Yeah, yeah see you on the roof, man. See you on the roof. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Pitbull's going to be there this weekend as yes, well. That's and right. uh, they're going to have a fun little yeah. party. So I uh, can't wait to hang out with Justin. And I tell you, he is such a brilliant guy. I mean, yeah. he, yeah. they, that just seeps through yeah. the different approaches, everything he's thought through to, to own a team. It's it, amazing. It's, it's, it's fascinating that he was in the sport, but he was able to take a step back and see the sport in a different way and figure yeah. out a niche and figure out a way to come into the sport in a different way that potentially can have long-term ramifications on the sport and other people will come in and do it the same way. Uh, this could be a model for the future of what we see yeah. in this sport with, with a Hendrick partnership or a SHR partnership. A, neat, a unique guy. Thankful yes. to have him in NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. He's an avid mountain climber. I'm going to say no to that. I'm out on <laughs> yeah. that, but yeah. I'm thankful he's in the garage area nonetheless. So, hey, Scott Miller from NASCAR. He'll join us next here on Motor Mouse. We'll talk about the National Super Speedway getting it up and ready for this weekend. We'll hang out with Scott Miller next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You were young, but all of a sudden, now the business has run out of your house. I was in grade school, and I do remember it became very serious very quick. I remember something big had happened in our family, and it was something very serious, and um, and in a good way. But I think that I could feel a little bit of the weight of it. Yeah. My dad was a serious person to start with, and he was very focused on the business. And it was morning, noon, night, weekends. It was it was all about the business. Wow, that's going to be a good coffee with Kyle, Lisa Kennedy, France. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty cool interview, Kyle. It, it, it was fun. It, it was fun because, and, and Dale was in the same position. You know, Ned grew up with Bill France Sr. and with Bill France Jr. And then we grew up with Brian and with Lisa. And, and, and so the families, our families, my family, Dale's family, they're just parallel paths. Hmm. Um, that my, the funny part for me was, I, I said, you know, I said, I don't mean this adversarial, but you know, we were on one side and you were on the other side, you know what I mean? And I said, so what was it like when Ben started driving and you passed over to the dark side? You know what I mean? So it was, the, it was, it was some question. good conversation. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good, good conversation. Question. All yeah. right, well, cool. Well, can't wait to see that. Of course, coming yep, to our yeah. YouTube channel and you want to make sure you check that out. Joining us now, though, from NASCAR, Scott Miller, the Senior Vice President of Competition for NASCAR. Miller, how you doing, man? Excited to get to hang out with you this weekend in the garage area at Nashville. Hey, walk me through the process that NASCAR goes through when you're onboarding a new track like this. I mean, you've been in Nashville Super Speedway before, but it's been a while. Well, there's like there's a whole lot, right? So we we start with uh, uh, just logistics and, and making sure the facility is is kind of up to snuff. You know, anytime anytime something sits there for that long, um, you know, there's some cobwebs and stuff that got to be dusted off. And you know, we have some new standards for the racetrack and the, and the safety and the different aspects of, of things. So first and foremost, that making sure the facility is ready, not only for the competitors but but ready for the for the fans um so that's first and foremost and then uh we went and did uh two two tire tests actually just to make sure that we were bringing the right tires to the racetrack and uh you know that the track surface was uh still up to snuff and all of those things so those were the those were the biggest things and then kind of our logistics people just kind of go in there and getting the movements of uh, how the cars will be going in and out and, you know, the transporter traffic and parking, just all of those things. Like there's just so many little details that, that go into to, to getting, getting ready each and every week, but a new facility uh, uh, especially. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about your tire test and, and about the racetrack and the, and the racing surface itself. When a racing surface sets, a lot of times it just deteriorates just because nothing's happened to it. Uh, how hard was it for Goodyear to find a tire? And did you guys, 
Did it, have they come in and prepped the racetrack to, to have it take rubber? I mean, this is a concrete racetrack. And I remember when, when they built this place, it was right after Dover did some of their stuff. And they're like, man, concrete's the wave of the future. Um, was there anything special you guys had to be in, had to oversee from that standpoint? Well, so the initial test, they brought a lot of, uh, they brought obviously a lot of tires, like you're familiar with the tire testing process. So they brought a lot of different things to try. And, you know, frankly, there was some, there was some wear issues with some of the things. So they went back, you know, did some homework and then we did a little, it was obviously as always happens with a, with a track or even a green track. Um, tire wear is pretty significant. Once it starts rubbering in, it gets better and better. So one of the things that we did for the second tire test was uh, did extensive use with the Tire Dragon, which is a, a machine, for those of you that don't know, that, that takes tires and kind of drags them on the racetrack and puts rubber down. It spins the tires, and, and it really does a great job of, of uh, putting rubber down on the surface. And to enhance that process, we actually uh, used a product that's been used. I think we used it at Gateway and a couple other places that kind of accelerates the taking of rubber, uh, some kind of rosin. I don't know the technical terms for it, but, you know, our our logistics guys have used it, and we did treat the track, and probably the tire dragon is running around there kind of maybe <laughs> <laughs> hey Scott, uh, the the restart of the 2020 season brought things to our sport that we had never seen in the past. Um, no practice, no qualifying at the majority of events. Uh, drivers, uh, NASCAR adapted. Uh, we were able to to open up and and basically help open the the sports world once again. A lot the same things here in 2021, uh, with the exception of practice like this weekend at a at a new venue. My question is basically. Do you get some pushback from teams and drivers that maybe are struggling and would like to catch up a little bit or, or have a little bit of extra track time? And is that even a, a possibility uh, aside from what you set forth? Well, so the, the feedback is, is mixed on that, really. I, I think that we, we as an industry and as race teams and racers like, like yourselves – um, always thought that we needed an abundance of practice. So we were forced into a situation with zero practice to get back to work. And I think out of that has come kind of a lot of learnings for the industry and the realization that maybe we didn't quite need as much practice as we all thought we did. So that that has really kind of generated a lot of talks about, you know, what what do – what do weekends look like moving forward, say, in 2022? 2021 is, is etched in stone. But, you know, lots of talks about, about what could or might happen for 2022 as far as the practice and qualifying and the amount of all that um, that we'll be doing. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a learning experience for, I think, the entire industry, what we were what we were forced into so it, it's been it's been an interesting go for sure i'll just have to say that some of us did need a lot of practice yeah. I'll say yeah. that much. <laughs> hey scott i want to ask you about your thoughts on the lower horsepower package that was used at the all-star race does that have a future in your opinion 
Uh, so we, when we did that, we did that, uh, we did that as an experiment just for, for our own learnings, right? We don't see that, we don't see that as, uh, as something that we will implement between now and the end of the year. But as we finalize all of the different things for next gen, you know, power levels and, and the different downforce packages and things that will be available with that car, that kind of helped us a little bit zero in on something that uh, uh, wherever we land with the, with the new car. I think it was I think it was pretty exciting. Hey, listen, I want to go back to uh, something you said a minute ago, um, and, and it's a, a kind of two part question. You know, we, we aren't practicing, as you said. We, we're forced into this issue now where we've realized that these teams don't need as much practice. They don't need as much uh, time on the racetrack. Um, number one, can you imagine doing that when you started as a, as, as a crew member <laughs> working on cars, not practicing with the equipment we had at that time? And, and I, I want to put it in the, in the context of the equipment we had at that time. But moving forward to next year and, and the new car, for the development of the car, isn't practice at least some testing and some things needed mm. to gather that database so that we can go back to less practice? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the one of the key things that allowed us to to do what we did and do it so so efficiently was the fact that you know the the race teams had huge notebooks on these cars and, and they really hadn't you know changed too much over the last two or three years per se and and just the amount of sim work and the amount of the 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 how elaborate all the simulations and the models have have gotten with these particular cars is what allowed us to do that so certainly there's going to have to be a uh, there's going to have to be a vehicle to collect that data and uh, you know get those same systems um up and running for the teams to be able to do it with you know what I don't think zero practice is necessarily going to be uh, a, something that's that's on the table, really. But um, uh, limited practice, they're going to have to figure out things a lot quicker than they have before, for sure. Hey, Scott, real quick. I know as the summer goes along here, the garage area is going to open up a little bit more and a little bit more. So how measured have you guys had to be during that process of, of how you go about letting more folks back in the garage? Well, that, that's been uh, done by our folks in Daytona and, you know, they, they kind of have been going off the guidance of, of all of the, you know, government agencies and things for how much we can open up. Obviously here a few weeks ago, we kind of had a, a, a larger sort of opening of the country, if you will. So we're still being a little bit on the cautious side to, you know, just to protect the sport as much as we can, but obviously it's going to be fantastic to, you know, have, you know, you guys back in the garage, have all of our partners back in the garage and, and, you know, and some fans. So um, really looking forward to, you know, kind of creeping back into normal at the racetrack. It's been, uh, it's been a little bit strange out there, but, you know, I think the whole sport's done a great job of, of uh, protecting itself during the pandemic. And then, uh, you know, kind of a calculated uh, reopening, so to speak. Does that, I know it always includes Hall of Famers. Does the invitation include guys like Kyle? Does Kyle get in the garage area? Oh, come on, man. Come on. No. <laughs> there is, there's no way that we could keep Kyle out of the garage. I mean, <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, Miller. Thanks, Good man. to see you, man, and uh, excited to hang out with you this weekend in Nashville. We'll see you soon, okay? 
Okay, thanks, guys. See you. See you, man. Scott Thank Miller, you. Senior Vice President of Competition. A lot of open answers there. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like Very practice good. might be on yeah. the schedule for next year. Yeah. You brought up a great question, Kyle no, Petty. The new car, I just they need to practice, know. you know? Good point. Inquiring so. minds want to know. There you go. <laughs> you might have gotten an answer right there. Uh, appreciate Scott Miller joining us. Coming up next, Josh Berry will join us here on Motor Mouse. His final ride in the eight this weekend. We'll talk about Nashville with Josh Berry coming up next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Moving them to tears. No. If you move your hand up and down the left, it sounded even worse, which is great. <laughs> I'm not trying to sound bad. You're not nailing the bad sound. I'm not sounding bad. Sound I knew good. it. it sounds too I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. What if I go down here? Yeah, go up there. Let's see. Whew. Couple weeks, I could be Couple weeks. playing with you, right? Sure. Yeah. Give me that back. It's not too hard. Those are the outtakes from the Dell Jr. <laughs> Brad Paisley uh, concert, sort of. The, all the shoot in Nashville, a lot of fun hanging out with those guys. They're going to be hosting this entire weekend along with uh, Jack Collinsworth and Dale Jarrett and Kyle Petty. But uh, Brad Paisley and Dale Jarrett or Dale Earnhardt Jr., You'll be there too, don't you? I will, but Dale I can't sing or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll be uh, all of that coming up this weekend on NBCSN. And can't wait for all of it this weekend from the Nashville Super Speedway. How would you rate Dale Jr.'s guitar playing, Kyle, as a I, guitar player? I, I, I kind of like Brad said. If you just move your left hand up and down, it'll sound worse. So keep, keep doing that. You know what I mean? That, that was kind of it. Yeah, I don't know where he go. was going with that. What am I doing up know. here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fun stuff. And uh, excited to see the outtakes from that. The guy who drives, or one of the guys who drives for Dale Earnhardt Jr. is Josh Berry. He joins us now here on Motor Mouse. Uh, Josh, how you doing? Last ride in the number eight car. So kind of tell us the plans after this race at Nashville this weekend. Yeah, those are all um, still kind of up in the air. We uh, are working on that. And, um, you know, we're working pretty hard to try to put together a program for me for next year. But really, um, I don't know what I'm going to do the rest of the year. I think, obviously, the our late model program is really important part of junior motorsports that that uh, I've been a part of for a long time that we want to continue to do. Um, so I'll obviously have some opportunities to continue doing that. But I um, want to still find a way into the 
to the Xfinity Series, Truck Series. Um, got a good opportunity and for a couple of truck races with the Rackley War team, um, and that's you know that'll continue at Pocono. So we're really still just kind of figuring out what it means for me, I guess, after this. Okay, Josh, put me in that category that's highly impressed with what you've been able to do this year. Uh, fun to watch, uh, very entertaining, uh, showcased your talents very well. Uh, have you surprised yourself and exceeded what you thought you might be able to do here? Or did you kind of say, hey, give me that opportunity and I'll show you what I can do? Yes and no. I think uh, when we got this opportunity, I felt like the uh, – there were, our goals were going to be kind of a moving target. You know, I think we circled a couple tracks that we felt like would be a really good opportunity for me. Um, some of the other ones I knew that would be tough. And, and um, you know, generally, obviously, we got to win a couple second places, uh, a couple other top tens, but really, um, which was great, uh, great runs for sure. I think some of the other races, uh, we've had some misfortune. I think it kind of stick out to me a little bit as well, I think, as, as missed opportunities. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, really, especially on the mile and a half stuff, I've got a lot to learn. And um, I've realized that and gotten better. Just uh, need to put the races together to, to keep, keep growing and keep getting better moving forward. All right, Josh, we're going to, we're going to Nashville. So I'm going to use a, a Nashville analogy here. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people put out music in, in Nashville and... It's praised by the critics. It's wide, critically acclaimed, but the public just doesn't buy it. Uh, I'm, I'm falling in the category of Dale, where I have been extremely impressed with everything you've done in a race car. Mile and a half, you say you need to, you need to pick it up a little bit. You, to jump in on a mile and a half and do some of the things you've done has been impressive. But there's nobody stepped up and bought anything. Who's that screaming? That is my that is my one year old. Um, actually, I'm in, I'm in, That's awesome. That, I'm in uh, Tennessee early. Uh, I come and we we surprise uh, my grandparents or my grandparents, her great grandparents, and uh, and uh, she has made her way up the stairs here. I kind of walked away. That's, that's <laughs> yes. awesome. That's, I guess this that's is better than a question that, from Kyle. That, 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 so, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I guess no, that's that. right. Listen, dude, I got a, I got a three year old and a ten month old. I'm used to this, so I'm I'm, I'm good with that. So here's but here's my question: Are you disappointed that a sponsor hadn't stepped up and said, "Let's continue this on. Let's do let's let's make something happen." Well, I'm not. You know, I think going into this year, I felt like it was pretty set in stone what I was going to be doing. Uh, the re- you know for the second half of this season, um, you know, with the situation with Sam. I mean, I, we had a twelve. 12 week uh, window to kind of accomplish what we wanted to uh what we wanted to do and uh um you know so i guess i'm not really that surprised you know we're working hard to try to put together a program for me next year um and we've got interest in that um i think that it's something that's definitely definitely uh, <laughs> uh possible um and we're just trying we're just trying to work on that and figure it out Listen, hey, listen, don't, don't worry about answering any more questions. Go be with your family, okay? <laughs> Just go. Just go. Just go, man. Good hey, luck. I was going to ask you about being from Nashville, man. Are the Nashville folks excited about the race this weekend? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, definitely. They're definitely excited. It's really cool. Um, like I said, we got to spend some extra time with him. I haven't been able to make it up here a whole lot. And I uh, like to see uh, my, my interviewer got busted up a little bit. I tried to sneak <laughs> away and do that. But, uh, 
Uh, you know, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, the truck race, that's going to be really fun, too, with our Ra the Rackley War deal. Uh, Rackley Roofing sponsor in the race Friday night, so it's a great opportunity as well. Let yeah. us wave Good to the family. Let us wave yeah, to the family, Yeah, we're Show us. Yeah. Yeah, show us the family. Uh, we'll I say hey to them. Well, yeah, I think my, my grandparents worked up here to, to get my little girl back downstairs. She got <laughs> oh, okay. That was the deal. <laughs> That's what you're hearing. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, have a yeah, good weekend. Thank you, we'll thank see you, you in Nashville. Thank you. Good luck, man. Good luck, man. Josh Berry joining us. His hiding spot was found by the uh, by yes. the, by the little it. one. They, so they, they find do that. that. I know. No, I know. Yeah. You know I know. about that. I do you? know. They find you. All right. They one driver you. you're watching this weekend, DJ at Nashville. Who's it going to be in the Cup race? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see you know what Kyle Larson is going to bring us this yeah. weekend. You know, wow. I, I know he's the talk, but but when somebody gets this hot, you just want to see what they have in store for the next one, especially at a racetrack uh, that they haven't been at. Yeah. What about I, you, KP? Listen, I'm going to see if one of his teammates can beat him. <laughs> I'll go with the other three. You I'll, I'll, answers I'll for see if the other three else. step up. Real quick, preview your Saturday night show at the Opry. What are you going to sing? You got How many songs you got? I got to make something up between now who and then. Who else did you say? Was, you said some other guys. Sawyer Brown, uh, Josh Turner. I don't know. And you? And me. And this me. is huge, yeah, man. This I is huge. I'm the doorman. So well I'm the doorman. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, right. Congratulations <laughs> yeah, on that. Yeah, thank you. Can't wait to get to Nashville this week, and we'll be back here on Motor Mouse on Monday. We'll break down everything for Nashville and preview two Pocono races next weekend. See you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.